Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. May not have had the same amount of pomp and circumstance of some national signing days in the state of Mississippi, but today the first day of the early signing period for the 2020 class of college football players and there was some news out of Starkville, out of Ole Miss, out of Southern Miss and other places across the country. Good Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey will join us a little bit later this afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Very little today in uh, in terms of surprises in the state of Mississippi. And Borky, we mentioned it yesterday. This may change, you know, moving forward uh, as Joe Moorhead goes deeper into his tenure at Mississippi State, as Lane Kiffin goes into a full recruiting cycle. But this is a day where it's like, uh, okay, there are a lot of people talking about National Signing Day and talking about signing classes, but there's not a lot that's happening today in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi State basically went to chalk, and hey, that will tell you, I think there was one guy they signed today that was not already committed to the school. So uh, a very... Uh, I don't want to call it a boring day because they signed, what was it, hey, Dad, 22 kids, so that's, all, mm-hmm. that's a good, positive day, but... Uh, yeah, nothing newsworthy, especially on the Ole Miss side. I had a a few buddies text me basically asking, you know, hey, what the hell's going on up there? And uh, look, it's a transition class and the coach is eight days into a job. If you were expecting some kind of firework today, you know, that, that was it. That was a you problem. That was not a, an Ole Miss problem. Uh, we've been telling you for a few days now, a quiet day there was coming. February has to be different. I mean, they only have uh, 16 guys committed, not all of them signed today. So there's some work to be done to fill up the class in February. But I think by and large, today was as expected or as should have been expected going into it. And, and hey, Dad, maybe the biggest difference in what you see in Starkville and what you see in Oxford today is stability. I mean, you're, you're talking about, what, the fourth signing class, third signing class for uh, for Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, the good news is, and certainly not belittling any of this, only saying that it was a day really without drama, Mississippi State sitting in the top 25 nationally. Composite rankings currently have the Bulldogs at number 25. So, you know, anywhere from 23 to 27, probably when it's all said and done after, uh, after the February signing day comes and goes. But largely a good day for Mississippi State. Yeah, like you said, the, the lack of drama after these past few years of recruiting, especially in this state, to not see anybody uh, flip was probably exactly what Jim Moore wanted. But not only that, you know, last year I think he only signed 12 commitments on this early signing day and really had to not only 
you know, work to fill the last remaining holes, but had to make sure that everybody he had stayed on board into February. This time, you've got three or four guys left to sign that you, you want to try to go after. The focus can be completely on those. Everybody else is in the boat for him. So, yeah, a really drama-free day here in Starville. On a fun day, I don't know if you, you caught along with what I was doing, but they had us – they had the media in the recruiting lounge today, so I was in there with with Joe Moorhead as he was talking to all these prospects when there everything was made official. So a lot of fun uh, in Starkville today. As it stands right now, Clemson with the number one class in America, Alabama number two, Ohio State three, LSU four, Georgia five, Texas A and M six, and so maybe just a little bit of movement at the top. I think going into today, uh, maybe LSU and Georgia flip flop from where they were to begin the day. Uh, Auburn at 7, Florida at 8, Texas at 9, and Oklahoma at 10. So certainly some SEC flavor, as you would expect, in the top 10. And if you take it beyond that at the top uh, in the top 25, a bunch more SEC teams. Kentucky, a team that is seemingly on the rise. Uh, and, and we'll not make this about Kentucky, but we've talked some about this. If you go all the way back to when we were doing uh, an interview prior to the Mississippi State-Kentucky game, and, and you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember which Kentucky reporter it was that we were talking to. Somebody made the point that currently, this year, this Kentucky team had the most talent that it had ever had on a roster in terms of star rankings and recruiting consistency and all of those things. And the class coming up, the, the starting today, was expected to be uh, an even more talented group and you're seeing that. I mean, seeing Kentucky in the top 25 nationally with four four-star guys and a couple of kids from Mississippi changing or, or uh, making the decision to go to Lexington, that's a little bit of a surprise. And if you're going to make a move in the SEC, it's got to be on this day or, or this kind of window of time uh, to get players. And Mark Stoops, maybe that's the reason that he was not terribly interested in going to Florida State. Kind of, I mean, gives uh, credit to you for what you were saying the entire coaching search is kind of, you know, why would you leave? You've got a pretty good situation in Kentucky. And it also proves, I think what we've been talking about for, uh, you know, since I've been on the show for years now, if you have a job in the SEC, outside of Vanderbilt, it is a very good, attractive job where you can get players. I mean, maybe Missouri is also kind of an outlier, but there are not many better destinations in college football than one that is in the Southeastern Conference. I know there are some. There are better jobs and better destinations than Kentucky, but as you mentioned, you can get players to Kentucky. Yeah, well, and, you know, the other thing that I would say about Kentucky, and Mark Stoops in particular, you know, loyalty is pretty fleeting in college football, but that is a place where you have absolutely seen loyalty in play. And it started with their athletics director, Mitch Barnhart, when a bunch of Kentucky fans for a couple of years in a row said, this isn't going to work with Mark Stoops. They're not getting better. He said, no, I, I believe they are getting better, and I like the plan. And he stuck with Mark Stoops, and it paid off the 10-win season a year ago and going back to a bowl game again this year and a solid recruiting class. That's one of the rare places in recent years, hey, Dad, that it feels like you've seen an AD say, we're going to stay the course. We believe in the foundation and it's actually paying off in the long run. Yeah, and this is what happens for most coaches coming off of a, a huge season. They won 10 games a year ago. They That's should right. be getting a recruiting bump. So, you know, this is what, you know, is supposed to happen. So, we'll see if they can keep that going. You know, they took they took a step back this year to 7 and 5, but we'll see, you know, stability matters with a to ton a lot of, of injuries. Guys. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, with a quarterback who I don't know if you've heard me say this or not, but he cannot throw the football. And but they just they found a way to win. So yeah, stability is helping out Mark Stoops, and it looks like that program, you know, is settled into a nice spot there in the SEC East. Got a bunch of stuff coming up with you this afternoon. Pro Bowl selections are out. Borky is frustrated with a couple of New Orleans Saints who were snubbed. But Demario Davis uh, not making the Pro Bowl is complete nonsense. It, it's just nonsense. But continue. Well, uh, inevitably somebody's going to get hurt, or somebody's going to get decide they don't want to go to wherever it is. It's back in Hawaii now. I, I can't ever keep up with where the Pro Bowl is. Didn't they move it to Orlando or something I stupid? I don't know. It, it, the, the Pro Bowl is such a whole non-starter for me. Uh, so <laughs> I haven't watched it in that. five years, but it's an accolade that it's more than getting to play in the oh. game. It's just getting the honor of being a Pro Bowl selection for a guy like him and a player of his caliber not getting it's kind of stupid. And all pro is a bigger deal than Pro Bowl. Yes, you it know. is. But we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe he ends up there before it's all said and done. There is some Ole Miss and some Mississippi State flavor on that. Uh, as the Dallas Cowboys get ready for a big game, a winner-take-all game with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Da- Prescott apparently having some shoulder issues. We will see. That's not great news, though, for the Dallas Cowboys. Got a pretty cool on this day in Ole Miss sports, or excuse me, in Mississippi sports history for you coming up a little bit later this afternoon. A conversation with Ole Miss head coach Kermit Davis. That'll be coming up a little bit later as well, but we'll Dive full on into signing day info. Brian Scott Rippey uh, will jump in in the 4 o'clock hour and we'll kind of dissect everything. Only nine signees today so far for Ole Miss. And, hey, Dad, what did you say the, the final number today was for Mississippi State? 22. So 22 signees. What does that leave in terms of opportunity to add to the class in February? Ah, that's that's the interesting question, Richard. I'm not entirely sure on that because of the uh, the NCA stuff from the you know the, the state is states getting docked a couple of scholarships. I don't know if that's you can only sign so many or it's how many can you have on the roster total. If it's how many they have on the roster, well they'll just sign what they want to sign. Uh, I would imagine state will sign three to four more players uh, in February, or at least that's going to be their goal. Do you think that turns into a we need to fill this specific position or we think we've done basically what we need to do. Let's just go see if we can pick somebody off that falls into the best player available category. I think they need another receiver. I think they might need another offensive lineman, and then they might have one or two spots for best available. Joe Moorhead said that first thing in the morning he's going to be checking to see who's, who's available, best players left out there in this class, including uh, the grad transfer market. And, you know, the interesting thing is, not to call it fuzzy math, but in some ways there is a little bit of fuzzy math because coaches are sometimes willing to not sign the full allotment because they want to carry scholarships over into the following year for early enrollees. You don't know exactly what you're going to have with seniors that graduate in December. Sometimes you're waiting for that to see how many spots exactly you've got available. You mentioned the scholarship reduction, so a lot of factors at play. And it's funny, coaches, generally speaking, don't like to reveal exactly what the formula is to uh, to get to that final number. So let's dive into Mississippi State's class when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio on this Wednesday. Christmas cookie, got your Christmas cookie. You got the best taste of Christmas cookie that I ever seen. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, 
Rippy will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Before we get right into the recruiting stuff, there was some other big news from Mississippi State. A scary situation that looks as if uh, it's going to turn out in a positive way. This was the statement released from uh, Mississippi State. came from uh, Bill Martin, who is their senior AD for communications. Here, uh, the statement, quote, Mississippi State football student-athletes DeMonte Russell and J.P. Purvis along with another individual not affiliated with MSU, were involved in an automobile accident on Highway 25 yesterday evening, December 17th, following team practice. DeMonte was treated and released. JP is resting uh, comfortably in the hospital. MSU is not authorized to comment on the third individual involved. The university is grateful to first responders for the assistance provided to our students. The Mississippi Highway Safety Patrol worked the accident. So certainly good news Hey, Dad, do you have any more details on kind of what happened and the the reaction to it? Not really. I do know that you know there was some bad info out there earlier this morning that said that, that they were both in critical condition. That ended up very thankfully not being the case. Uh, like I said, Russell is already uh, out of the hospital. He was treated and released. Purvis is still there. Uh, we were supposed to talk to Joe Moorhead, myself and Joel Coleman, for the uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast. That got moved to, to, uh, to tomorrow because he was going to head straight to the hospital from uh, – signing day press conference so don't have a whole lot of information on that only that both players appear to be uh, in good shape and are expected to make a full recovery and was it an issue where their vehicle ran into another one or was hit by another one or just details a little sketchy on that a little sketchy i saw a picture of the car and honestly richard if you see that uh, that article that picture i'm i'm it's, it's surprising anybody walked away from it it did not look good yeah. Uh, but that's it. from what I can tell. I think they they ran up into the back of an eighteen wheeler or something like that. I, I, I don't know for sure. Don't know for sure what happened, but that's what it just looks like from looking at the uh, the, the wreck. Certainly not great news on that front. But uh, thankful that uh, those two young men and the uh, the third uh, person that was involved are uh, are okay, or it looks like are going to be okay uh, moving forward. All right, so Mississippi State, with currently the number 25-ranked recruiting class, according to the 24-7 composite rankings. Uh, Let's do it this way. Hey, Dad, I'll kind of walk through the names of guys that signed today. If I miss anybody, tell me. And if you want to talk specifically about a player, then just interrupt me and and we'll go from there. Uh, Rodney Gross or Grochi? Gross. Rodney Gross, linebacker from Pleasant Groves, three-star player. Uh, Jaden Wally, uh, listed as an athlete from DeIverville, 6'1", 180, uh, three-star player. Tyrus Wheat, a linebacker from Wesson, Mississippi. Is that junior college with Tyrus Wheat? Yeah, Colin. Okay. So three-star there. Uh, Malik Heath, also from Colin, wide receiver, a uh, four-star wide receiver. You, you talk about needing to add players at that particular position is the thought that, uh, I mean, not is the thought, but the thought is when you sign a JUCO wide receiver, you got a guy that you're expecting to come in and compete and play and make an impact. That hasn't always been the case, but that's the hope, right? Absolutely. You think about Malik Heath, you know, signing with Mississippi State two years ago out of Callaway High School was part of a a three-receiver group that State thought was really going to transform the way they threw the football. It was him, Devontae Jason, and Stephen Guidry. Uh, now the only man left standing is going to be uh, Malik Heath coming out of, out of Colin. Gidry obviously didn't pan out. Devontae Jason transferred out. He signed today with Nichols State. Um, so we'll see what Heath can do. But, yes, Mississippi State would love for him to come in and be an instant impact guy. 
Jordan Davis also from Colin. He's a defensive end at 6'5", 245. Uh, Dietrich Griffin, wide receiver out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. A little bit smaller in terms of height and weight at this point. Uh, 5'10", 175. He's a three-star player. Dylan Johnson, running back from Greenville. Obviously. Oh, yeah, you're talking about Griffin? Yeah, yeah. If you make his name a little easier, he goes by Tulu. Tulu Griffin. That's easier than LaDietrich. Yes, it is. Dylan Johnson, tell me about him, the running back from Greenville. Well, first off, he went to Greenville St. Joe, so how can you possibly trust this guy? Uh, But no, I I know. (laughs) A four-star athlete uh, led his team to three straight state championships, rushed for uh, 1,600 yards and 20-plus touchdowns this year. Uh, What a, what a, that's a, uh, the smallest classification of academy football, and both of their running backs signed with major prowess today. Trey Benson, the other end back, signed with Oregon. So, well, I mean, what a nightmare for, for academy football that must have been. Um, good player. He's going to have it with Kylan Hill gone. They'd like to see him you know, be a, a guy who maybe contributes next year. Caleb Ducking, wide receiver, coming from Goodman. So, Juco, uh, wide receiver there as well. And... Mm-hmm. Okay, as we're going through this list, I haven't added it up yet. How many JUCO players? Five, six, I think seven? they got th- three JUCO defensive linemen, one JUCO linebacker, and two wide receivers, so a total okay. of six. So about a third of the class, uh, mm-hmm. based on, well, maybe a quarter of the class based on what's signing, uh, signing so far today, or somewhere in between those two numbers, yeah. if the math's not uh, not quite working. Uh, so Caleb Ducking, the wide receiver uh, out of Goodman. Janari Dean, defensive back from Batesville. Six feet, 180 pounds, uh, South Panola player, uh, listed as a three-star, pretty athletic guy. Yeah, a guy who had a, a really good week of practice over at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. 24-7 is going to uh, update their recruiting rankings on the 20th. And talking to the guys around that, they they expect Dean to get a, a bump up to about a four-star uh, a really versatile player. He could probably play running back at the next level, but safety is where he's uh, destined to end up at Mississippi State. Trey Loss, another defensive lineman, defensive end. You would expect that they would try to put some weight on him. He's at 6'6", 225. That's, of course, if he's going to stay at defensive end, uh, making his way to Starkville from Perk. From Monterey, California, Benjamin Key, defensive end, 6'5", 285. What's the hook from Monterey Park, California to, uh, to Starkville? A guy that I guess got on really early in the process, and and he liked Mississippi State and, and got that commitment. And he's actually from Australia. He signed last night because of the international dateline. It was already <laughs> signing day in Australia, so he was able to go ahead and get his uh, letter of intent to Joe Moorhead on Tuesday night. And uh, he's headed to Starkville. Uh, this this uh, I believe he's an early enrollee, so he'll be here uh, for the spring. Grant Jackson, big offensive lineman, six seven three zero four out of Brookhaven. Uh, Cameron Threat out of Olive Branch, defensive back at 5'11", 160. Jaquavius Marks, running back out of Atlanta, four-star running back at 5'11", 190. There's going to be some competition for carries. You mentioned a second ago Kylan Hill uh, announcing that he's going pro and uh, is going to make himself available for the uh, NFL draft after his junior season. There are going to be some carries that are available for some new faces, right? Yeah, and Marks is the bell cow of this class, the highest-rated player, uh, explosive running back. This is the guy that if you you had to make me guess who becomes State's feature back by the middle of the season next year, I would pick him. Armandus Cooley, a defensive tackle out of Waynesboro at 6'4", 280. Calvin McMillan, an offensive lineman from Houston, 6'5", 305. Another big guy there. Uh, 
I don't know if it's Javon or Jevin. We'll go with Javon Banks, the linebacker Javon. out of Olive Branch. Okay, 6'2", 240. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, Jr., defensive back out of Grenada, uh, 6'2", 164 pounds. Will Rogers, the quarterback out of Brandon, 6'2", 205. He's a three-star quarterback. Is the expectation that he stays at that position, or is there another spot for him? Who Rogers? He he's a quarterback all the way. He not not yeah. the kind of athlete that would uh, make a, a transition to wide receiver or anything like that. And and honestly, Richard, if if things go the way you think they might, he could be State's backup quarterback uh, this yeah. this time next year. I mean, that's a good point because what only quarterback at least for now in this signing class. You know, Garrett mm-hmm. Schrader uh, is expected to be the starter uh, if Keontae Thompson. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Keaton KT. Keaton yeah. Thompson, goodness gracious, I'm looking at a million different names right now. Keaton Thompson, he's he's going to transfer out, right? In all likelihood, I would be surprised if he didn't. And then you have Jalen Maiden, who we don't really know much about, but I don't know if he's going to stick around or, or, or not. We'll see. Uh, if he does, then he'll be the backup going into next year. But right now, State is sort of in that precarious position where they could have Schrader and then a true freshman and, and then really nothing backing them up. I asked Joe Moorhead about that. A few weeks ago, basically, and I, he said that the plan was just to go. This was going to be a one QB class for them. Does that mean that they would go to the grad transfer market and try to find somebody who, sort of like uh, Gunnar Hoke, who transferred up to Ohio State last year and knew he was going to sit behind Justin Fields? Can they find a guy who's willing to be the backup at, at an SEC school? I don't know, but right now that, that quarterback room, if Jalen Maiden transfers out along with KT, yeah, that's going to be something to watch. Well, and, and Gunnar Hoke, I mean, you know, you you get the whole transfer portal thing. We we all get it, and I don't think anybody holds it against people. But you can also find examples of things working out differently if people would be willing to stay put. I mean, if Gunnar Hoke stays put, he starts at quarterback for Kentucky this year, and quarterback is not played by a wide receiver that, as Borky likes to remind you, couldn't throw the football. Or maybe, hey, Dad, that's you. That That reminds us that he can't throw the football. He cannot throw Uh, Yeah, Javorius Selman, defensive back from Jackson, three-star player as well. And then expected to pick up a wide receiver from Council Bluffs, Iowa. I'm assuming that's Juco as well. Uh, I think he has been reclassified to the uh, okay. 2021 class. Gotcha. Take a quick timeout. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and now Brian Scott Rippey joins us as well. Good to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. Day one of the early signing period. And I said yesterday, I kind of made a joke about that. I don't know. Do you call today National Signing Day? I mean, that, that was always the first Wednesday in the month of February, but when three-quarters of the players in country are signing today. I guess this, by default, becomes National Signing Day. I think that's what ESPN branded it at, uh, branded it for uh, their coverage today. So Yeah, that's what they were calling it. I, but it, it feels different, doesn't it? Because it – I mean, there were some hat ceremonies and stuff today. It's just because there is still, you know, 30 to 40% of guys out there that are not signing today. It still just doesn't feel right. And also, guys can sign tomorrow. Or Friday, if they want to. So it's not yeah. like it has to be done today. It's just well, it's that, removed. That the... was always the case with National Signing Day in February as well. You had a few that didn't sign on National Signing Day. It would go another day or two. Yeah, but it was still Usually that one there period was drama involved. Yes. Yeah, you're uh, you're right about that. 
Uh, Rippy just returned from uh, Lane Kiffin's signing day press conference, and uh, Rippy Borky was telling me a second ago that Kiffin said he didn't know why they were doing this. It was like halftime, and you don't have a press conference at halftime of a football game. Yeah, he didn't seem to be a fan of that or this early signing period, but just kind of is what it is. But as we talked about earlier in the week, I mean, it's just kind of get what you can get today and then get the staff filled out and then try to make a stronger push. And in February, I mean, this is always going to be the case with a kind of makeshift staff, kind of half of your staff in place in a week and a half to recruit. So nine signees today. What what would 11. that number have? Oh, 11? Yes. Okay, so 11 today. What would that number have been if there had not been a coaching change? Oh, I have no clue. I, I don't know who would have signed today or who wouldn't have. I, I Presumably it probably would have been a few more, but as far as the number, I, I really have no clue. Okay. Um, not really any surprises, maybe, the and probably the only thing that would fall into the disappointment category. Well, I guess there are probably two. The, uh, the offensive lineman from West Memphis, Tennessee, who some people were holding out hope, decided to still go to Texas A&M. And then was it uh, Josiah Hayes from Horn Lake that uh, Ole Miss felt pretty good about that ultimately decided to go to Kentucky? Uh, yeah, I guess the latter would be more of a surprise and the former would be a disappointment because Lane Kiffin really kind of came in the picture about a week and a half ago. But with regards to Hayes, I think Ole Miss felt pretty good about it, and that was probably kind of the, the shocker of the day. What did Ole Miss accomplish today? They got 11 signatures on paper. Uh, they got a fairly defensive-heavy class, and they you – know, I'm not sure how how to necessarily quantify it because, again, everything – it was just kind of get what you can get today – it was sign the right guys, don't really rush anything, and then just really make a push. So I guess the accomplishment is getting through it. Were there any guys that were not really on the radar for Ole Miss a week and a half ago that actually signed today? No. I mean, I guess the closest thing to that would be the kid that signed that was a uh, kind of between here and Ole Miss. I'm trying to pull up at the Internet as being funny in here. I, well, morning. I guess Kate. Cade Renfro uh, Tobias Braun, the offensive – or no, wait, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say Cade Renfro, the quarterback from Stephenville, Texas, would fall into that category, I think, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's someone that Levy recruited at at UCF and then uh, kind of transitioned him over over here. Tobias Braun really was kind of a – I don't know about late addition, but he, he was uncommitted and then – chose Ole Miss today over Florida State, but other than that, it was just everything else was pretty well, much the as there's a defensive expected. back as well uh, from Florida, Bermudez. Uh, he was a guy that didn't come on the radar until uh, this new half of a staff came in. Uh, gotcha. So he's another one. See, Borky, you're what you're a recruit, Nick. No, I just I made sure that I was prepared for today. Just messing with you. <laughs> I can't, See, my man. text I, line is open to you. 601-879-4395 is the number. Again, 601-879-4395. you got a thought on National Signing Day, questions that you want to ask, or just general thoughts about the show, feel free to uh, hit us up right there. It is courtesy of C Spire. C Spire, customer inspired. Um, Rippy, so from the press conference today, uh, what was... You know, what did Lane Kiffin say that was interesting? What did he do in terms of kind of talking about what their plan of attack was for the next six weeks until the uh, the February signing period? What did you take away? 
I mean, really, I guess the only really interesting thing was was the J.J. Pegues thing. Apparently he said this morning that they he didn't talk to Lane Kiffin. That got proven untrue very quickly. Aside from that, I think they were just happy to get by this early part, take a breath, and finish strong. And in February, once they have a completed staff, I think they're glad that this portion of it is kind of over with. They have what they have, and then they're going to make a pretty strong push in the second half of this thing. Caught it halftime a couple times. Yeah. So so what's the story on the J.J. Pegues thing? I, I think it's as simple as he said they didn't communicate, they didn't actually talk. He said that, uh, I mean, Lane Kiffin said that they did. They tried to get him on um, campus, or he's at the All-Star game or something like that, and it just didn't work out. But the fact that they didn't talk, I don't think is, or at least from Kiffin's vantage point, doesn't seem to be accurate. Yeah, that's... Um... Uh, that's interesting. Or maybe there was an attempt to talk and didn't get any farther. I just kind of was under the assumption when, when they talked about, you know, he went and saw somebody after he landed at the airport on the night that uh, that he was hired, uh, that that was probably where he was going for visit number one. But it sounds like, and, and if you had kind of been listening locally uh, to, to people that were around J.J. Pegues, um, it sounded like Auburn was kind of it or had been it for a while. Uh, that he was one of those kids that just wanted to do something besides stay at home or stay in state. Yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of kids, I mean, I know when I was going into college, I would have at least probably wished, looking back, I'd have considered more looking else and kind of going further away from home. But, yeah, sure, I think that was kind of the, the feeling all along. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard in Wiggins, glad to uh, have you along for the ride. I'm not entirely – you ask what happened to him dropping the ball on the defensive tackle. Um, Hey, Dad, is that about Josiah Hayes. Okay, gotcha. Um, Can you – maybe it's spin. I don't know. Can you drop a ball on a kid when you've had a job for eight days? I mean, he decommitted from Ole Miss in October. It's not like he flipped to Kentucky today. He had I decided he many, was not going to Ole Miss a couple months ago. I don't think that part's true. I think he was just undecided. I think many people probably pretty close and around the program felt pretty good about it. And I think about a week and a half or two weeks out, I think most signs pointed towards him uh, signing with Ole Miss, and it came as a pretty big surprise to a lot of people. As far as dropping the ball, I mean, that's a very subjective, cliched term. I don't really know what you mean by that, but, I mean, it was a surprise. I would I would definitely classify it as that. We talked earlier uh, in the show this afternoon, um, uh, Rippy, before you got here, about, uh, about the job that Mark Stoops is doing at Kentucky. They, they put together a top 25 class. It seems to all of a sudden be a program that's kind of a model of stability and – it's almost like they've taken another step in the direction of not just being stable and consistent, but actually being pretty attractive to some higher level recruits than they traditionally have been. I would say so, and they got a quarterback to company company all that next year, presumably. Yeah. Um, Ceasefire text line is open. Hey, Dad, what was the what was the mood? I know we talked some about the players in the class. Kind of Joe Moorhead's general mood uh, surrounding um, th- this signing class today. What he had to say about it, and kind of the the uh, I'm using the same word over and over. The the general mood about signing day and the the steps they're taking moving forward. Very excited. Very positive. Um, 
you know, obviously on a day where you, you get all of your commitments into the boat, you're probably going to be in a pretty good mood. You didn't have any kind of bad surprises. Um, but he, he felt that, you know, now, you know, two years into making relationships here in this state and, you know, being a part of, of the, of the, the culture of this state that he feels like he's, he's done a good job. He talked about how he, you know, for him, he felt because Mississippi State's not a school like an Alabama or an LSU that just has a ton of built-in advantages to recruiting, that he felt that being that, you know, the head coach needs to be involved maybe here more at Mississippi State than in other places. So he said, you know, he talked about that he, he's a guy who texts and talks to recruits as much as he possibly can within the, uh, the NCAA regulations. So he, he was very positive about his class and very positive about recruiting going forward here in, in Mississippi. Got a question here from Michael in Poplarville asking about McKinley Jackson. He is going to be a February signee regardless of where he goes. Is, is that accurate? Is that how you guys understand that? Yes. Dominant. Dominant defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi and appears to have LSU and Ole Miss as his leaders. But I think there's still several other schools in it, and you can bet that – with fewer players kind of available, then there's going to be a lot of attention play, paid to McKinley Jackson over the next six weeks or so. More coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll be back right after this. Renaissance Bank, understand. Feliz Navidad. that? A week from today. Christmas Day. Everybody got their shopping done? Hey, Dad, you, you done with uh, Christmas shopping? Uh, done shopping, but not done shipping. Still waiting on some stuff to come in. Ah, I got you, Borky. Did uh, did you decide if uh, if if young baby Borky was actually going to get Christmas presents? Yeah, we're going to do something, even though he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, you still seem reticent about that, but it's going to happen. It, I mean, it's not my call, so I'm going to be very happy about it and smile and participate and and be great. But I mean, if it were up to me, we would just buy it for him and stick it in his drawer, and he'll learn about Christmas next year. <laughs> Maybe he'll enjoy it when it's all I mean, said and done. It, it, the kids just now, which is awesome, by the way. I thought the smile was the coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. The first laugh, which is way ahead of schedule, that is now the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. That's right. That's Michael Borky telling you about already having an overachiever. Man, he he is ahead of schedule in his laugh. He's ahead of schedule in holding his head up completely stable on his own. We're off to a great start. There you go. Uh, I wonder if he'll no. hate getting gifts as much as you do. <laughs> I'm not a gift guy. Like, especially. Yes, we know. We're quite aware. Thank you. But my, but my reason know. for it is noble. It's because the people close to me that would want to buy me something, I know that you have things in your life that you need to take care of. Like my sister, don't buy me anything. You have a 16-month-old. Like, take care of her. You don't need to spend money on me. I know you love me. It's fine. So I don't need a present from you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for but... your service. <laughs> I know. I mean, not everybody can be me, right? Well, no. But I, the only thing I would say about that is, for for a lot of people, it's not like this for everybody. But there are a lot of people that get more joy out of giving gifts than getting gifts. And I see. I think I'm one of those people. I, I got it from my dad. My, my dad hates getting anything from anyone or doing him any favors ever, but he loves to give and participate that way. I just got it from him. I love showering my, my wife with presents and everything. I spoil her rotten. But if she gets me anything, I get mad because I, I understand our financial situation better than she does. So 
<laughs> That's kind of how it works out. Rippy, you got all your uh, Christmas shopping done? Yep. It's done. So what you're saying is you haven't started? No, I finished it all. It wasn't a very long list, but like I finished it. There you go. Good uh, good for you. Um, I hope that you jumped all over the Pearl River Resort pick of the day yesterday. Florida, a five-point favorite against Providence. They only won by, oh, 32 last night. So you were able to uh, enjoy that one. Uh, but then you got to try and turn around and do it again today, right? I mean, if, uh, if you're going to ride winners. So Pearl River Resort brought to you by the Sportsbook at Time Out Lounge. If you're in the area, over in or around Philadelphia, Mississippi, check them out. Good time. Uh, a lot of fun to, uh, to be had when you are there. Um, you got a bunch of SEC teams playing basketball tonight. Vanderbilt is at Loyola Chicago. Uh, they are an underdog in that game. Uh, Tennessee is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Cincinnati. Uh, Tennessee 7-2 and two on the year, trying to bounce back from that loss to Memphis most recently. LSU is hosting East Tennessee State. Sneaky good game there. Uh, that's actually where I am, uh, headed to the PMAC here shortly. LSU a nine-point favorite tonight. Alabama a ten-point favorite on the road against Samford. They're playing that one at Legacy Arena, the uh, BJCC there in Birmingham. Mississippi State, uh, I don't see a line on their game tonight against Radford. Uh, that is at Humphrey Coliseum, a 7 o'clock Central Time kickoff, tip-off, not a kickoff, and uh, Kentucky 10.5-point favorite at home against, uh, I'm sorry, in Las Vegas against uh, against Utah. I don't know where to go with, uh, with all of these. I, I, I lean in the direction of taking Tennessee, getting, well, they're giving up, what, one and a half on the road at Cincinnati? You guys get on board with that? Cincinnati, man, that's 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 a tough place to play. It is, but it's not the Mick Cronin Cincinnati from a couple of years ago. Uh, who do you like? Hey, Dad. Uh, I would. It's one and a half. So if I'm picking Tennessee, I'm picking them to win. I would take Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll take the ball. Do you? Do you prefer Utah getting ten and a half points from Kentucky out in Las Vegas? No. All right, let's lay the one and a half. We'll take Tennessee minus the one and a half, sitting at seven and two on the year at Cincinnati tonight, Fifth Third Arena, six o'clock tip off. You can watch it on ESPN two. That is the Pearl River Resort pick of the day, brought to you by the sports book at Timeout Lounge. Got a bunch more coming up with you this afternoon. Borky, Hey Dad, and Rippy are going to carry you the rest of the way. Uh, Borky's got some questions for Rippy about Ole Miss's signing class. Uh, we've got uh, Dak Prescott potential injury news. We'll keep an eye on that as they roll toward a big game with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. If they win, they will be in the playoffs. If they lose, it is extremely difficult. On this day in sports history is coming up a little bit later. Brought to you by Acoustic Wave, the college football fix. And a conversation that I had yesterday with uh, Kermit Davis, head basketball coach at Ole Miss. Some interesting stuff in that. You got that coming up a little bit later this afternoon as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm with you on this Wednesday afternoon, National Signing Day. The Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi on Signing Day, I guess, Volume 1. Part one, whatever you want to call it. The sequel's coming up here in February, but uh, happy National Signing Day to you. 
Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss all welcoming in, at least in part of their uh, latest recruiting class. Mississippi State had more uh, signees than Ole Miss today, but that's to be expected in a transition class. Of course, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard is out calling basketball tonight. I'm Michael Borky. We have Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you. And we've talked about a transition class before, right? We've got uh, Lane Kiffin in Oxford now, and he's been on the job, and he was introduced on, what was it, Monday of last week, so eight, nine days or so. Uh, this class is always going to have some kind of uh, transition. And he even said in his press conference today that there were some kids that the previous staff had committed that uh, were encouraged to look elsewhere. I mean, that, that kind of stuff's going to happen. So with all that being said, transition classes being difficult, the early signing period really messes with things, how February is still another signing day, so there's going to be a lot of fluid movement, a lot of players still unsigned. The, the rankings that you're looking at today are definitely not set in stone. Very fluid situation. All that being said, have you guys seen Arkansas and Southern Cal today? Not great, Borky. Not great. What is it? I have no idea. Southern Cal uh, retained their coach. So Clay Helton coming back for another year. This is not a transition class. They have 11 signees. Uh, one of them is a four-star. Uh, nine of them are a three, and there's one that is below than three. This is at Southern Cal, 74th in the country. Arkansas has 10 signees, one of which is a four-star. Everybody else is below that. They are 81st in the country in front of Arkansas. Liberty. UMass, BYU, Northern Illinois, freaking Navy, obviously Southern Cal, Middle Tennessee State, Tulane, Illinois, Temple, Bowling Green, also Army, Western Michigan, Rutgers, Boston College in a transition class, Louisiana Tech, East Carolina, Syracuse. That is brutal. And those numbers have changed since you last looked. They've dropped. Oh, have they really? USC is down to 78, Arkansas is down to 87. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you knew it was going to be tough on Sam Pittman, but one of his uh, new staff members tweeted today, if you're a defensive back that didn't sign today, send me your film. Yeah. And that, and that, that guy they got today, I mean, they got him today, the four-star kid who looks like a really good prospect. Um, if they don't have that guy, they're in the hundreds. They're deep in the hundreds. So... You know, people were wondering why. Why would you know if Lane Kiffin was had, had offers from Arkansas and Ole Miss? Why would you you pick Ole Miss? This is why. This program is broken. It is going to take a lot of time to get them figured out. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Today, jeez. Ole Miss currently sitting at forty-five. Well, I guess I need to refresh the page. As Haydad told me, the 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 numbers are old. They have a They've shifted since then. 45 still for Ole Miss, at least according to Rivals. That's the page I'm looking at. As one of our texters oh, you're, pointed you're, oh, out. Oh, you're looking at Rivals. Okay, I'm looking at 24-7. Oh, either way, it. as one of our texters pointed out, you can look at three different sites, and they all have different information. So you just kind of okay. have to pick one and, and go for it. Um, only 16 guys on the commit list. Now, not that many signed today. Uh, but Ole Miss will have some work to do in February. Kind of a non-traditional approach, as we've talked about with Mississippi State. Basically a full uh, full class. The, what, four spots-ish, hey, Dad, with waiting on a couple of uh, announcements to the NFL, give yeah. or take, but about four-ish to sign in February? 
that that's that feels about right. Like I said, I think they'll they would definitely like to get another receiver if they can get an impact guy there. They'd like to get another offensive lineman just because you know two two's just not enough. You you want to sign you know they they've, they've they oversigned on offensive lineman a year ago because they had to. The previous uh, Mullen's last two classes, State only got one offensive lineman into school out of those two classes. They had to oversign last year. I think they got six. Um, and then, like I said, I think they'll have a couple of spots for for best available. I know one guy that people keep talking about is a Starkville kid, Rufus Harvey, who who was their leading receiver. They'd love to see him end up at Mississippi State. He did not sign anywhere today. Um, but like I said, and I, and I know I would expect them to hit the grad transfer market. Possibly to look at another receiver there. Maybe you would you even want to try to find a more experienced running back. I mean, right now your running back room, when when Kylan Hill and Nick Gibson go out the door, you've got 18 carries sitting in there. So might be somewhere you look there as well. But best available probably two spots if I had to guess. David Holcomb says, "Ha ha!" And Ole Miss is not broken. Um, I mean, look, they they've missed four consecutive bowl games. Two of those uh, are due to NCAA stuff. But if you want to compare rosters and the ability to win faster, uh, Ole Miss is significantly better equipped to win soon uh, than Arkansas. Arkansas is four and twenty in its last two years with losses to San Jose State and who else? Help me out, North Texas, uh, Colorado yeah. State, Colorado State. Yeah, bad loss. Ole Miss has a lot of young talent. Plumley, Corral, Mingo, uh, Dennis Jackson, Ely, Connor. Offensively, there's a lot of young talent to work with there. There is no such uh, thing at Arkansas. They've got Jerry Jones's nephew. All it's five foot grandson, nine of them. It? That's his grandson. Oh, and yeah. The backup, and the backup kid, the, the kid that started in 2018 for Arkansas, went to Western Kentucky, came back to Fayetteville, and worked them by how many points? Like 21. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, not comparable. Yeah. Oh, that's tough, uh, Rippy. This is for you, and and the answer is yes. But Ole Miss, the six foot seven, three hundred ten pound offensive tackle from Germany. I think his profile lists him as being from Connecticut. But yes, he is. He went uh, from to Salisbury, Germany. Salisbury Prep School in Connecticut. But yeah, originally from Germany. He's the tenth ranked player in Germany. Did I mean I didn't know the that whole they country? Did that. That's the tenth ranked yeah. player in the whole country. <laughs> Pretty. Big. That's how you get those national rankings up. You just go out of the states. International rankings. Dude, didn't, didn't State, State do the do same thing? Too? Yeah. yeah State, State, State actually got like cheated a... the early signing day thing. They <laughs> signed a kid on Tuesday. There were a couple of kids. that uh, Florida had a, a punter that signed from Australia. The, the international. How long until Jim Harbaugh takes his entire signing class on a field trip to Australia to get him signed a day early and get him away from the uh, p- potential flips? Is there any place on earth where it's like a day and a half behind? Could we? Is there any way to top this? <laughs> I don't believe so. I'm thinking, I don't think so. What does he play? Because he's not a punter. The video, he looks like a big dude. From State? Yeah. He's he's a defensive end that they'll probably move inside to tackle. Okay. 6'5 and 280. Yeah, see, he's a big guy. But that accent cracked me up because you just don't yeah. expect it. You know, it even said this guy's State from Australia. two Australians now. State with two Australian student athletes now. Uh, ben Key and, of course, Chloe Bibby on the women's basketball team. How do you? I mean, I guess maybe this is a. We're question gonna open for, an outback steakhouse any day now here in Starkville. Day and a half behind is impossible, according to yeah. someone from the six six two. It was mostly a joke, man. I'm pretty aware there's no place that's two days behind us. Uh, see, I, I really can we. I we need to fly there and start betting on stuff. <laughs> Be the modern day Biff Tannen. Yeah. <laughs> Good reference. I like that. Nailed it. Um. 
how do you even begin to find a prospect? I guess it makes more sense with the guy that signed with Ole Miss because he did play high school ball in the States, but where do you find a kid from Australia? How do you find a kid from Australia? He was playing Juco ball in California. Okay. Which... That's that's the that's an even better question though. Is what's state doing recruiting JUCO kids from California? Not exactly the most uh, you know nearby place for MSU to find players. Not quite sure the story on that. Maybe have to ask Joe Moorhead when we have him on the podcast. But yeah, uh, but he committed early, uh, and he was a guy that they they thought could blow up in, in the recruiting process, and sort of similar to Montez Sweat. Not 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 saying they're going to be the same player or anything, but Montez Sweat committed to state so early. They never really blew up and became a four or five star must have recruit because he was he was quiet. He didn't do a ton of interviews. I think State's sort of hoping they they, they struck lightning again with him and with uh, with Trey Lawson, the kid from uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast, who was sort of similar to Sweat in terms of he's six foot six and two hundred and thirty pounds, but also he's a former Power Five guy. He played at Florida State uh, before transferring to Mississippi Gulf Coast. Without looking, who would you think is dead last? Of course, again, this is the early period, so things could change, but who would you think is dead last in the Big 12 in recruiting right now, if you had to guess? In the Big 12? In the Big 12. Who would be dead last, if you had to guess? Kansas. It's Mm. Baylor. Really? Baylor is last in the 10-team Big 12. Uh, Just 15 signees, so that'll change. It's the fewest in the league, but their average star rating is 2.8. Not great. They had the they had the uh, best commitment videos though today. They had the Muppets. Yeah, I, I couldn't decide that if I liked that or not. I didn't enjoy it. You don't like Muppets? No, that gave me the creeps. You heard it first here. R- Rippy doesn't like Muppets. Of course, Jim Henson, native Mississippian, so Rippy hates Mississippi. Lucas in Union says, I believe uh, he's an Ole Miss fan, thinking that Ole Miss should go after the wide receiver that's transferring from Michigan State. I'll tell Kiffin tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Text him now, Rippy. Get ahead of that game. 601-879-4395. You want to talk uh, National Signing Day? We can do that. We've also got Dak missing practice or a limited participant in practice for the first time in his NFL career. If you can believe that. We'll talk about what that means. National Signing Day, all that stuff coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi. Just one week from Christmas. One week away. But we're glad you are with us. We get a text here from Bruce. He'll start us off uh, this segment here. He says, hey, Dad, you mentioned earlier about only having 18 carries returning for Mississippi State in the backfield. He's asking about the running back transfer from this past year. He, he believes from Michigan there was some eligibility stuff to start the year. I remember that, but ultimately could not play this year. Uh, what should Mississippi State fans expect from him, and who is he, for those who don't know? Uh, Kareem Walker is who he's talking about. Who uh, was a uh, He transferred from Michigan to, I, I don't know the name of the junior college. It was in Kansas. I don't think it was Independence, but I could be wrong. Um, and I didn't count his carries, Yeah, I, I, but there are not many of them, maybe like another 10 or 20. Uh, just not a lot of of carries, but he was a four star kid coming out of high school. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, when I talked to somebody who covers Michigan, uh, he he told me that you know his academic issues that undid him up there, and then he didn't make a huge contribution uh, in junior college. So not, and then of course he was late signing in uh, with Mississippi State or late getting eligible, and ended up being academically ineligible for this year. So 
he had he has a lot of question marks about him. Uh, they'd like to see him be a, a contributor next year, but I feel like you, when you look at his past, it's difficult to sit there and say with certainty that you can expect much from him. If you had, I guess it's projecting, or maybe they do it by committee. But who takes the majority of the missing carries next year? If you had to guess, right now it would probably be Lee Witherspoon would be the first first guy up. But I really do think that the true freshman who signed today, Jaquavius Marks is probably going to be the most talented guy on the roster. I would not be completely surprised to see him uh, take that job by by the horns. So a pretty young offense is what you're saying, at least that, at that, the important spots. At, at the skill positions, they're going to be very young. They do have a lot of depth and, and some experience from back on the offensive line, so that should hopefully make that a little bit easier if somebody can you know, just be talented enough to take care of it. Looking at these rankings and – We'll say it 100 times today. They, they are a little bit fluid, but not so much at the top. If you look at the top three schools uh, in the rankings today, all of which seem to have signed a pretty full class, uh, Clemson at number one. And Clemson today signed more five-stars than Ohio State at two and Alabama at three combined, or as many five-stars as those two combined. Not surprising. It's just, it's it seems just good. Anymore. They just do it yeah. the right way over there, though, don't they? Yeah, it's the same as Michigan. You know, they're just <laughs> all drift in a sea of inequity. Michigan, by the way, at 10 for what that's worth. LSU, 4, Georgia, 5, Texas A&M, 6, Florida, 7, 7, Auburn, 8. And, yes, these are national rankings, not SEC rankings. Oklahoma, 9, Michigan, 10. Tennessee sitting there at 11 for whatever that yeah. may be worth to you. Tell you one of the more intriguing prospects in the state that signed today is uh, the cornerback out of South Haven. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I get his name right. Caleb Offord. Here's a kid from South Haven, Mississippi. He signed with Notre Dame. Didn't really have much interest from State or Ole Miss. What am I missing? I have no idea. Like, how does a kid? I mean, kid goes to LSU to Alabama, something like that. Sure. I get it. Notre Dame came into Mississippi and got a prospect, and in reality, neither State nor Ole Miss really pursued him that hard. Something's not adding up for me there, but that that said, you know, Notre Dame's a great school, and uh, good luck to that young man going forward. You never know how accurate these are, because like the term offer is thrown around, and like there are certain kids that will sign places, and you'll see oh, this kid signed with Vanderbilt, and he had offers from Georgia, and probably not. That's usually not how that works. But according to his rival's profile, this kid does not have an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State offer. Has one from Southern, though. Yeah. Looking at – they sort of rank them, not not by interest, but, I mean, his his offers for for, on 24-7, which is what I'm looking at, Arkansas, Austin P, Duke, and Houston. That's the top four. What? And he went to Notre Dame. I just, I don't get it. But oh well. Text here from the 601 that says he loves wheat. State is getting a guy who can come in right away and be a starter. So physical. Which they need. They, they, Malik they Heath need. is full of potential, he says. So was Gidry. If he's got to be the guy, State is very slim at receiver. And if I remember correctly, wasn't he a, a Mississippi State commit that had to go Juco and yeah. then came back? Yeah, he was out of Callaway two years ago. And this this last statement is 100% correct. State is very slim at wide receiver. Very slim. 
They've got to have somebody step in. Somebody who is either on the roster right now that you don't expect or one of these new guys needs to come in and be a five, 600-yard receiver. Now, I don't know who it's going to be. I thought Osiris Mitchell was on pace to get there, but he completely fell off in the second half of the season. Javante Payton, can he take a huge step forward? Austin Williams, huge step forward. they got to find somebody because right now, Joe Moorhead, in, in a season where you, you think he might be coaching for his job in 2020, that passing game doesn't, I don't see how it's going to improve unless somebody steps up and becomes a legit number one receiver. How about Will Muschamp today, by the way? I mean, the class overall, at least according to the star rankings and stuff, uh, it will end up being outside of the top 25 when all is said and done, but two five stars in the class. Uh, defensive end from Columbia, but uh, there was idea and talk about him going to Clemson or somewhere out of state. South Carolina swooped in and took a guy from their own backyard and then got a five-star running back from Maryland. So I guess good for Will Muschamp today. But did you, I don't know if you saw this, though, that the the kid Jordan Birch that you're referring to from Columbia, has not he, he did his, his hat ceremony or whatever, but has not signed his letter of intent and did not take any questions after the, uh, the, the uh, event. So there's some, uh, there's hmm. some concern there. That uh, that he he may have been you know this could be a situation where we we come back tomorrow and he's he's changed his mind. I do love that kind of stuff though. It always cracks me up. People just talk about it as fact, and because this is what happened, but it's still kind of funny. Where you'll have, well, this kid was a lock to this school up until the night before signing day, and suddenly it was a different school. Like the yeah. day before signing day, you can't talk to each other like it's a dead nothing can happen it's a it's a dead period and that it can't be face to face you can always text but i mean isn't that funny though well that's that's when you know that's when the real recruiting gets done it's when the coaches step away and everybody else gets involved uh so you had a lot of that today you had a, a pretty cool story and we may play it for you later on uh what was it emmett smith today yeah, uh, had his son uh, choose Stanford, and a reporter in the crowd asked him why he didn't choose Florida. Had a pretty good response to that. Basically, said, "My kid's gonna have his own path. You know, I'm a Florida guy. Doesn't mean he has to be." Uh, really cool stuff there. I mean, that's that's the right answer. You know, when you're when you're you're a parent, let your your children choose their own path. Give them guidance, give them advice, and give them support. But this is their decision. At the end of the day, they're the ones who have to live with the uh, the choice they make. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I waited this long to talk about this. Did you guys see Tom Herman today? That That's the second funniest thing that happened today to me. What's the first? Uh, I forget who the kid was, but he, he got up there and put on the hat and said he was going to commit to the University of LSU. <laughs> oh, I love like, that. What does the U stand for there, kid? Yeah, Tom Herman was funny too, though. So... The, the Longhorn Network, in case you don't know what we're talking about, is still a thing. And they had a signing day special, of course, because that's what they do. And they did a live look-in into Texas's war room. And either Tom Herman knew it was coming and just is a jerk, or was jokingly flipping the double birds at the camera in the war room that was mounted up in the corner of the room they do the live look-in on the Longhorn Network at Tom Herman. They cut to him, and he's got middle fingers in the air pointed directly at the camera 
live on television during Texas's National Signing Day broadcast show on their own television network. It's the new hook'em. <laughs> the new gesture. I mean, if the horns down is a 15-yard penalty, what is the double birds? Like an ejection for targeting or something? Well, the, the double bird is not the penalty. It's if you do upside-down double bird, then it's a penalty. Not going well. By the way, 21st for Texas. Uh, only 16 guys, so that presumably will change. But uh, Tom Herman, just not who everybody thought he was going to be when Texas hired him. Well, I mean, they are a year removed from a Sugar Bowl. Pulling this one to a Sugar Bowl. It's a good point. But what was Texas? Was Texas finished that season eleven and two? They did. Well, then what year? happened? Sure, I don't know. Year. I think people were impatient. Like that dude didn't forget how to coach. Year three. He needs to be better this year, though. Oh they, no they doubt. So, they need they need to win nine nine games or so. It'll be a part of the show you can. 601-879-4395 on the ceasefire text line. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. We'll uh, turn our focus and look at a story coming out of the NFL today about uh, Dak Prescott and a potential injury going into their winner-take-all, basically, game coming up this weekend. We'll tell you what that is next. Uh, stick around. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Really important weekend coming up for the Dallas Cowboys. It's uh, I keep calling it a winner-take-all because that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles are both tied with the same record for the division lead. Whoever wins that division will make the playoffs. Obviously, the loser of that division has no chance in the wild card. So it's a game that uh, if Dak and the Cowboys want to uh, go to the playoffs, they have to beat Philadelphia this weekend. And also, I think they turn around and have Washington. And Philly has the Giants. So, just projecting, you would assume that whoever wins that game this weekend will be able to take care of business later on. But there's a little wrinkle that was added today. I did not realize, I was not aware that uh, Dak Prescott injured his shoulder in the game, in a dominating win last week over the Rams. But uh, it is uh, significant enough to where he is missing his first practice as an NFL quarterback ever, which is incredible to think about. He's never missed a start, never missed a game. But the NFL is a lot more strict than college with injury reporting. So if you're not a big fan of the NFL or don't follow it closely every day, players, uh, there's an injury distinction that has to be given for every single practice. So you can't hide an injury during the week. You have to be specific on if they were a full participant, if they were limited in practice, or they did not practice. That is something the NFL requires This is Dak Prescott's first limited participant in his NFL career, which is mind-blowing, even though he's a quarterback. Tough guy. Yeah, and uh, a dedicated worker. I mean, that's something I can tell you from his days at Mississippi State, so I'm I'm not overly surprised by this, but that's big news for the Cowboys. They're going to need that guy on the field. You know, they don't have a whole lot of margin for error as far as this uh, playoff chase goes. So, yeah, they need to get Dak back out there. It's not something permanent. At least it doesn't sound like it. Jason Garrett, after practice today, said that uh, he had an MRI and everything seems to be okay. But this quote is fascinating to me. Because maybe this is a, uh, some kind of smokescreen. I kind of want to think it is because I like the gamesmanship. But Jason Garrett said, quote, he just banged it up. But then he also said, it's hard for him to function right now. 
Those seem to be two very conflicting things in the same sentence. He also said, uh, we don't want him throwing much in practice today. Uh, Cooper Rush, uh, the backup quarterback, took more reps, obviously, because Dak was a limited participant uh, than he usually does on Wednesdays. And by Friday, uh, the backup really just only takes a handful of snaps just in case. But uh, different situation for Dallas this week. Ezekiel Elliott uh, was also interviewed after practice and said that this is a kind of injury that he had and he cannot believe that Dak is going to try to throw the football, but he believes that he's going to try the foot try to throw the football. For whatever that's worth, something definitely to keep an eye on with the game of the season coming up this weekend. Yeah, I bet he plays I mean, and plays pretty well. Yeah, I, I would agree with Rippy. Yeah, feels like a smokescreen, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, why not? Right? He, I'm, I'm sure he is a little banged up, but the uh, what did Garrett say? It's hard for him to function right now. I just he wouldn't have gone out on the practice field today if he literally couldn't function. So maybe a little gamesmanship going on here. At least you hope so. In all likelihood, that's probably what it is. I mean, I, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't play, especially in a game of this this magnitude, this late in the season. I don't know if gamesmanship is the right word, but there's some. There's some some subterfuge. Is that the word, subterfuge? I can't pronounce it. Here's a question from the 662. If colleges were able to pay the players, would the football player be able to skip a bowl game? Would that stop players from skipping bowl games? Well, that's a fascinating question because if it was the schools themselves that were doing it, then uh, they could... Just like the NFL, you know, get their salaries pulled or whatever. But the model that is going to happen with college and pay for play uh, will have nothing to do with the schools themselves. The schools will not pay a dime to any player. That is not how the system's going to work. The only way that this happens, and it certainly sounds like it's going to happen, we're on the path to having college athletes compensated beyond a scholarship, it's not going to come from the school. You will, right. The players will be allowed to benefit off of their name, image, and likeness, which means they could uh, become a spokesman for a company, do a commercial, sponsorship deals, endorsements, that kind of thing. None of it would come from the schools themselves. So that kind of situation would still be in place. However, uh, an interesting angle to that would be, let's say, for example, that I don't know, Garrett Schrader, starting quarterback at Mississippi State, is uh, given a sponsorship deal from uh, Mississippi Car Company USA. And part of the contract is if you make the postseason, you have to play. I don't know if they'll throw that in there, but that could be something where we'll give you X amount of money if you are in this. I don't know. I don't know how that will work. It would be up to them, but on the surface, it doesn't sound like that would be the way to keep players from participating in bowl games. There is no way to keep players from participating in bowl games. It's just, it's just going to happen. Whatever the even, even if the university was paying the players, even if that money was coming directly from the university, it's not enough to, to offset the risk of never being able to play in the pros if you get hurt. It's just not. So This is just the wave of the future. I think 18 kids have already said they're not playing this year. This, this is how it's going to be going forward. But if it creates an employee-like system, then you'd have an obligation to play. 
that's that's possible, but they, they would have to do that. And then then you're getting into can the players unionize? What benefits are they going to? You know, that's a long dark road that the NCAA wants no part of. Tim in Columbia says, "How long is it going to take for the not so popular players to start complaining about all the money the popular players are getting?" I mean, I don't know. Does they do that in the NFL right now? Do do, do Tom Brady's linemen complain that he gets all the money? I don't think it's how it works. I mean, look at Ezekiel Elliott's compensation compared to his backup, Tony Pollard. Yeah. I mean, Tony Pollard's Nobody's making a few... I mean, it, it's good money. At, at your, but, who tweeted this to us, Tim? Tim, at your job, do, do you make the most money of everybody else and nobody complains? Or is it do you complain about somebody else who makes more money than you? It's how life works. There are people who make more money than you. It's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. It just... I mean... And, and I think most of them... You're compensated based on value. Yeah, and most of them would understand that. The little experience I have around actual athletes and inside of locker rooms and talking to people that have been in them, anytime somebody would get something like that, they don't look at them negatively. They would actually kind of be proud of their teammate. Yeah. If, If Garrett Schrader gets that Mississippi car dealership USA deal, I promise you his teammates would be like, man, good for you. Go get your money. Yeah. Like, secure the exactly. bag. That kind of stuff. Exactly. They'd be uh, they'd be proud of him. And Steven uh, is asking uh, how hurt Dak is because he's in his fantasy football league and this is the championship. Um, who's your backup? That would be the, uh, the determining factor in whether or not you start Dak. Is who's your backup? So tell us and uh, we'll give you... Fantasy football advice, which is not something we do all that often on this show. But if you're willing to ask, we're willing just to Just one time. We're not doing it all the time. Just this one time, we'll, 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 we'll do it. Cash in your fantasy football advice card, and uh, that's it. It's certain. I mean, it. they're not talking like they're preparing whatever the hell his name was. Uh, I don't even – Cooper Rush to play. Dak Prescott's going to play. Because they're not beating Philly in Philly without him, even if he's limited. Right. Right. Is Cooper Rush the Central Michigan kid? I have no idea. All right. Why don't y'all get on that? I came to work prepared today. <laughs> it is. I just looked it up. From the 662 says Garrett Schrader is definitely getting a manscaped.com sponsorship ASAP. Keep it trimmed, baby. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh man, having fun on this Wednesday. It's National Signing Day. I, I that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. It, that, I was driving to one of our, I guess it was to the Connerly thing last week, and there was the Manscaped ad on like FM radio. Are, are they allowed to do that? Because it seemed pretty explicit for FM radio. I was like driving down the road, and I was like, "Geez, what am I listening to?" It was like Evidently, a jingle. It is- If you want to put two and two together, it was jingle blank, but it wasn't bells. And it it was quite something. (laughs) And I was like, how is this allowed on FM radio? (laughs) That is probably probably where the line is drawn. You know, just don't cross. That's as far as you can go. I guess. I was just surprised that 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 wasn't considered like 10 steps over the line. I was like, good Lord, like this is... This is Fox Radio. I mean, Fox Sports Radio or whatever. Oh, man. Well, they figured the bilge you see coming out of Skip Bayless's mouth couldn't be any worse. So. Yeah. 
The FCC is getting pretty relaxed compared to the way it used to be. I won't take any credit for that. Steven Turner says, what's a backup? So he doesn't even have a backup to Dak Prescott. Um, hmm. I would say risk it and go for him. Don't try Drew Locke because if Dak's healthy and he plays, he's putting up better numbers than Drew Locke will, you would think, right? You would think. Locke was good two weeks ago, though. You don't have enough roster space to, like, drop another receiver? I don't know. We'll be right back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And Steven sent us a list of players. Hey, if you've got fantasy football questions, we've got answers. I know we've got a few more days until you've got to set your lineup for championship weekend. I didn't realize it was already here, uh, but I guess it does make sense with two weeks left in the season. Um, He has Drew Locke, Garner Minshew, Trubisky, Will Greer, who's getting his first start as a professional this weekend uh, at Indianapolis for the Panthers, Dalton, Haskins, maybe Duck Hodges. I would say because Drew Locke's at home against Detroit. Pick up Locke, keep Dak as your starter, and if the injury news isn't great going into the weekend, go ahead and flip him for Drew Locke. I didn't realize they were playing Detroit at home. That feels like a big point day. Yeah, go with Locke. Keeping Matt Patricia around, though, that is something else. That's Rippy's Lions, too. They were supposed to. They should have been better. They should be a lot better than they are. There's no question about that. Pretty fun. Cl- Go ahead. They were close, but geez, that whole franchise is doomed. I won't disagree with you. On this day in sports history, really on this week in sports history, presented by Acoustic Wave Therapy in Ridgeland, non-invasive procedures. Uh, Trace Colony in Ridgeland. If you have pain, joint pain, muscle pain, as little as one treatment, non-invasive, no incisions, no surgery, results immediately call Acoustic Wave Treatment Center of Mississippi in Ridgeland, and uh, they can help you with a lot of things and uh, effective uh, proven therapy. On this day in sports history, really it happened yesterday, in 1932, the NFL playoff game happened. So up until 1932, they had just what college football had, where a bunch of reporters or they would have the team with the best record in the professional football league named as its champion. It was an extra game they added in 1932 that happened this day yesterday to break a tie in the season standings between the Chicago Bears and the Portsmouth Spartans. Don't think they're a team anymore. I'll have to check my notes on that. Because of the extreme weather conditions in Chicago, they moved the game indoors to the Chicago Stadium, which was too small to have a real football game inside. So they enacted a few uh, changes to the rules for the playoff championship game. They real quick, uh, real quick, the Portsmouth Spartans are now the Detroit Lions. How about that? Where is Portsmouth? Uh, Ohio. Huh. Learn something new every day. There you go. So the field was only 80 yards long, which is really 60 yards between the two goal lines, and 45 yards wide, which was 10 yards narrower than the regulation at the time. The sidelines were literally up against the stands inside of the stadium. The goal posts were moved up from the end lines 
to the goal lines. The NFL would uh, keep it that way until 1974. Anytime a team crossed the 10-yard line, the ball was moved back 20 yards to allow for the shortened field. For the first time, all plays started with the ball on or between the hash marks, which were 10 yards from the sidelines, and there were no drop kicks or field goals. But the most important part from this game in 1932, naturally, the first NFL playoff game had officiating controversy. Bronco Nagurski, (laughs) as is tradition, uh, Bronco Nagurski threw a pass that at the time was an illegal forward pass because he was not five yards behind the line of scrimmage. That was the rule at the time. You could throw a pass, but you had to be five yards back of the line of scrimmage. It led to a touchdown, and it was not changed despite everybody in the stadium and on the field knowing that he broke the rule. The next season, there was a formal championship, not one that they added at the end of the season, but people loved the playoff so much, they created it, and for the first time, a year later, the Bronco Nagurski rule was enacted, which makes a forward pass legal from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage. Booger McFarland thought that was a good call, though. It was a great call, because nothing happened. Right. So that's what happened on this day in sports history in 1932, the first professional football playoff game that led to forward passes being as you know them today. That's brought to you by Acoustic Wave Center of Ridgeland. 855-563-6100. Give them a call. Get you a non-invasive treatment today. Coming up, we've got... uh, We'll reset, take a... Another look back at the signing classes for Ole Miss and Mississippi State today. We'll also look at the Pro Bowl rosters that were released today and a couple of snubs, especially from the New Orleans Saints. The highest-graded offensive tackle in football is not a Pro Bowler. Explain that one to me. We'll tell you who made the teams, who got snubbed, all of that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well as a a conversation with Ole Miss head basketball coach Kermit Davis at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Clock hour off and running on this Wednesday signing day, volume one afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippy, Brian Haydad with you. And we'll start the five o'clock hour with a question first from the text line and then uh, go back and recap what happened so far on signing day for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. The question here is Isn't paying the players by outside interest going to blow the lid off of illegal recruiting? Whoever has the richest donors has previously purchased the best players. It's a good what question. What do you happening now? Th- that's what, what he's saying. Why is, would that change? Uh, yeah, Rippy, what he's saying is why would that uh, – that is happening now. That's his point is would that change because previously it was just the schools with the richest boosters that would get a lot of these kids. I don't think it would change anything because especially with – Schools in small towns, like Alabama, for example, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, SEC country, most of these endorsements would likely come from people that have ties to the school. So it would just be what is currently happening, but above board and more widespread so more players could get a piece of the pie, would be my answer. I don't think it would change anything at all, to tell you the truth. It wouldn't change anything, yeah. 
They would just it would force these two schools to divert focus from one another and put more of it on themselves. Possibly. Or you could have dueling commercials. <laughs> I guess, but I guess my point is is like they wouldn't tattletale back and forth for two decades. That would not happen. Everything being kept above board, I think, would maybe wouldn't balance things out. But it would give, I think it would give Ole Miss and Mississippi State specifically a better chance at keeping kids that have left the state in the state more frequently than they do right now. Eh, maybe. I don't know. It's just it's difficult for me to see a future where uh, yeah. that rivalry is, is ever cooled off at all. Well, that, that aspect of it is coming, though. I mean, uh, Mark Emmert's meeting with members of Congress trying to lobby for his organization to continue padding his pockets with a seven-figure salary, uh, but that is coming. Uh, we get a, a text from the 662 here that says, salary cap in college. Huh. It wouldn't be that uh, so much as it would be a free market. I don't know how this is going to end up, but it's a hot-button issue. Even though today's been tame, I mean, it just it got brought up casually, and, I mean, people have questions. Because there are far more questions than answers right now. But I think the most important part is, if you ever hear somebody say, oh, it's going to make all the best schools, the separation of power will be even greater, that's not true. It cannot get any greater than it is right now. Like we said, Clemson signed six five-stars today, six of them. Depending on the service you look at, there's 30 total. And Clemson signed six of them. There is a separation that cannot be greater because you can still only sign 25 players. Like There's still a restriction on how many kids you can sign. The gap can't get wider, in my opinion. You're probably right, if I had had to guess, but... I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just, there's just so much. Yeah. Th- there's so much to it that you, I need to see it in action almost. Question from the six six two: Do you think that would stop the cheating? Schools will find another way to beat the system. Uh, because all this would be would be legalized cheating, I guess. I mean, maybe they could find another way, but what other way is there? I mean, this would be open financial compensation. So what What other system, or how could they cheat that system? Legalized cheating. Brian and Clarksdale says Arkansas has some rich donors. Explain that. Well, here's Everybody a good has question. rich donors. Everybody has rich donors. Everybody has rich donors. And you still have to do other things as well. I mean... It still comes down to relationships and stuff in recruiting. Of course, there's some under-the-table money that goes out. I mean, it happened last night for a, a lot of prospects. But usually, if there is a dollar amount, it can be matched by the other competing school, and then it comes down to relationships and stuff like that. Not all the time, but you still have to have good recruiters that can build relationships and trust in the families not every kid is getting paid. A lot of them are, but not every kid's getting paid. You still have to win recruiting battles. There are some kids that come from families that have wealth and don't need an extra ten grand. Like That just isn't attractive to them. You also have to be a good coach. 
You have to be close to home for some kids. It, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not just money. Of course, that's or, or a job for your mom or dad or a house or a car. There's always more to recruiting than just that. Arkansas has been a dumpster fire because they've made hires that either don't fit or don't work, and they are in a state that doesn't have a whole lot of talent that they can acquire and build a roster over. So if you're already at a disadvantage geographically and you make a bad hire or two, that's how you end up the way Arkansas is. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I've always sort of said this. I think that everybody is so prevalent with cheating that kids end up making the decision for the right reason after all. Like, they're getting money wherever they go. So they they probably are making their choice based on where do I fit the best and so on and so forth. Text from the 601, I doubt it would be all above board, so more like exactly as it is now without the fear of consequences if they get caught. I'm... Why would it not be above board, though, if you can do it without risking a kid's eligibility? Yeah. I mean, maybe that does happen. I just I don't see it working out that way because doing it not above board risks the kid in your school getting in trouble. And if you can do that, air quotes, legally, then why would you risk it? Jim in Caledonia asked, does it open up for lawsuits from previous students wanting a piece of the pie? No, it wouldn't because... You see it in the NBA, right? Like, the one-and-done rule is going to change, and that's just not possible. Like, Zion Williamson could not sue whoever because he had to go to college for one year when his little brother, if he's an NBA player, won't have to go to college for a year. At some point, there's got to be a cutoff where things change and, you know, you just – it sucks for you, but, I mean, you just – you can't sue – who are you going to sue – for not having a rule in place right. years ago. Yeah. Just uh, it doesn't seem like that would be a, a, a starter. No, I, I agree with you. Tyler and Brandon, a resident baseball fan, wants to remind all of you that there are 99 days until opening day of Major League Baseball. How many until the 2022 season when the Giants might be competitive again? Figure that one out for me. <laughs> A question from the 601, what is the current cost of a five-star scholarship? I'm not sure what you're asking. You're asking, like, how much it costs to go to a college. That I could find out for you. How much it costs to buy a player? I mean, it varies, opinions man. will vary. A lot of the times, it's not as much as you think. Sometimes you'd be surprised at how much it is. Okay, so he's at, I think he, he okay, just he's asking about the scholarship amount. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people depends. suggest that it's a value of 100k a year, yeah. and th- there's real value there. There absolutely is, no but question. there are players, and it's not as big of a number as you think it is. I mean, when people talk about open season, I just there's still 85 guys on a football team. Even Alabama doesn't have the booster base to give $100,000 to 85 players. They just they don't have that. Nobody does. There are players, though, whose value exceeds the value of a scholarship, Zion Williamson being that person. He was more valuable than the one year of college. Yeah. Most and players are not. Like three years, like Tua is more valuable 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence is more valuable. Joe Burrow is more valuable than what they're they're getting scholarship wise. Man, this is a great point. Uh, you don't have a name on here, but uh, it appears to be you are a regular listener from the six hundred one. If I were a donor, I wouldn't want other people approaching me and pressuring me to donate more, to give more money to a 17-year-old kid. That's a great point. These people are already paying $50,000 a year to get their skybox at the at the stadium. Yeah. There's only so much they're willing to give, and they're not yeah. willing to do it every single year. I don't, just, I don't see it being as bad as, as people think it's going to be. Jacob from Quitman. Thank you, Jacob, for for listening and being a part. We'll talk about signing day itself, though, next. I I appreciate occasionally going down these rabbit holes, but we're going to turn the page and uh, go to signing day next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back to the National Signing Day edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And in case you missed our coverage of it earlier, by the way, you can go back and listen to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast uploaded for you right after the show ends. And uh, you can find it there wherever you get your podcast or on the website at supertalk.fm. In case you missed any of that, though, uh, we will recap it for you quickly. What happened today for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss? And we'll start in Starkville where... Now, the theme of the day, hey, Dad, has been there really hasn't been a theme, largely to chalk one signee that was not previously committed to Mississippi State. Otherwise, they got everybody that they were supposed to get and very little drama today. And his silence tells you all you need to know. Um <laughs> We will uh, work on getting Haydad back here. But, yeah, a very drama-free day for Mississippi State. They got a, a running back that they needed to get to replace the production that Kylan Hill is leaving behind as he goes on to the NFL, uh, filling positions of needs. And having signing day drama is not always a good thing. And having a committed class, a class that's fully committed to you, is not Uh, Anything to be particularly worried about. I remember I I was talking to my neighbor earlier today. My neighbor, the Mississippi State fan, is going to have to come on this show because I talk to him almost every day now, and he always asks me questions about Mississippi State, and he's a really funny guy. Going to bring him on the show, but I was talking to him earlier today, and he was worried. He's like, man, I hate that You know, we woke up today and there's like nobody to watch on ESPN, you know, put a Mississippi State hat on. And of course you would like that getting your program highlighted on a thing like that. And if Mississippi State is going to move forward and compete at a higher level, they will have to start signing some of those guys. But this seems to be a pretty solid class, uh, one that has a handful of four stars in it. They get a running back they needed. They get a wide receiver they needed. They're getting help in the defensive secondary. Got a really promising quarterback uh, from right here in our area. And Brandon, I mean, it's a a class that addresses – addresses a lot of needs Uh, there are a ton of Mississippi flavor in this class and just very very little drama today and that is not a bad thing at all uh, for Mississippi State turning the page over go ahead Rippy I was just saying for as much struggle as their discontent there is for Moorhead on the field at times he recruits pretty well But there, it feels like there might be a ceiling, and, and we'll get Haydad back here in a second. I want to ask him, 
he does recruit well, and he's not from around the area, didn't have natural ties, kind of had to create his own ties in the situation. But they currently sit, and again, it's fluid, but with very little room left in the class at 25th, is this satisfying the the Mississippi State fans? Hey, Dad, as as we get you back here, are are fans generally satisfied with the way this class shook out? Um, I think so. I think they they appreciated the the lack of drama, for for sure. State has had some some flipmas moments over the past few years. They didn't have to deal with any of that today. Um, You know, you got the top player in the state according to 24-7's own rankings in Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, you got one of the top JUCO defensive linemen in the country in Jordan Davis. You filled a big position and needed running back with two four-star guys there. I, th- I think they, by and large, I mean, this is a pretty typical Mississippi State recruiting class. I think the difference is that the guys on the bottom of the class still had some some decent offers where in years past with, with you know, with Mullen, the last few guys in usually were guys you were picking up from Troy and you know, South Alabama. Not taking anything away from those programs, but guys who most coaches thought weren't going to be able to play Power Five football. Not so much of that in this class. And then over to Ole Miss, Rippy uh, transition day. I mean, if you look at the rankings, which as we've said a good bit today, they are fluid. But uh, Ole Miss did not have a, a large number of signees. But if you remember back to Lane Kiffin's introductory press conference. Uh, this was something that you should have expected. He said that they weren't going to sign kids just to sign kids. They were going to sign kids that he thought could actually compete at this level. Today, he mentioned that there were a few guys committed to the previous staff that they even told to explore their options elsewhere. Uh, so, uh, to put it frankly, they processed some kids, uh, signed, what, a dozen kids so far today, have a lot of work to do between now and February to fill out that class, but today went as expected, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm writing something right now that hopefully will be up after the show, but, I mean, he called it – he's not a fan of the press conference. I finally got the quote. It says, it's kind of strange. It's like having a press conference at halftime of a game. You can't win or lose a game at halftime, and that's where I feel like we are right now. Obviously, not the perfect analogy, but I get what he's saying. But, yeah, I mean, you had a week and a half. I mean, he even conceded that most of the kids that signed today – signed and came here because of what took place before him less so than us and he said you know in february our plan is for that to be more because of us us being his staff which is not complete at this point right he did give uh he did give a uh i know there it had previously been reported that mike mcintyre is expected to be retained he is a candidate but said that he is definitely looking elsewhere i i think that had been a little bit unclear so we'll get or we should expect to get some movement on the staff here in the next few weeks, right? Maybe not right away. Still waiting for NFL Black Monday to uh, have some guys be looking for jobs after head coaches get fired around the league. But that's starting to come to fruition, isn't it? Sure. Or just leaving like on their own once the season's over. I mean, like, I don't think the staff has to be – I know you weren't insinuating that, but like, I think sometimes when you talk about Black Monday, you think about coaches getting fired. I, I do think like low-level position coaches in the NFL would like maybe looking back, get back into college and stuff like that would leave even if the coaching staff as a whole isn't relieved of their duties. Yeah, especially, for example, if there's a staff member in Detroit, even though I know they're uh, keeping him around for another year, but you know that – I mean, you're probably having the same conversation next season, so if there's a chance to get stability over a few-year period, you may want to jump and take that. 
Sure. Not many places that have stability in the long term stability in the NFL anyway as a whole. Fairly cutthroat business. But once you're in, it's hard to I mean, you could stay in, I guess, just different places. A couple of guys that they got signatures from today that maybe they weren't expecting. a uh, An offensive tackle from Germany by way of Connecticut and a defensive back from Florida. Those seem to be uh, the first two guys that – and then Cade Renfro, the quarterback. So those are the three guys, right, that uh, would not have been in this signing class if not for this new coaching staff. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily unexpected from these guys. It's just someone they made a late push for and maybe came on the scene later. But yeah, sure. All right, so uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, – we, we will have a – Jeff asked. We'll have a Southern Miss recap uh, tomorrow, look at their signing class. Really Juco heavy uh, in the early signing period for Jay Hobson and Southern Miss. It's uh, something that uh, he actually talked about when he was given the job about something that he didn't want to do, and uh, here they are filling a class with a lot of JUCO needs. So we'll talk about that, give a full recap of the class tomorrow, uh, have a guest on to uh, help us through that and give you a full early signing day recap uh, from Hattiesburg as well. Uh, Guys, either one, is there anything we're missing? I know Mississippi State for the next signing period in February, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, just a handful of spots open for that. Joe Moorhead did say that they're going to hit the ground running and look at the transfer market and things like that to fill those scholarships, but uh, just a handful of spots open in February. Yeah, and to be honest, I think if if Moorhead had his way, he would rather get a couple of transfers in than maybe a couple of high school kids. Just some some guys who could contribute immediately, especially, like I said, if if a receiver were to come uh, available, a, a quality receiver, that would be much higher up the list of priorities, I think, than trying to sign another high school kid. In a very different situation in Oxford, huh? Yeah, a lot of a lot of spots to fill. I mean, what they're at eleven right now, so a lot of work, a lot more work to be done than Mississippi State, who had kind of a more traditional, calmer, um, early signing period. Are there enough guys out there? I mean, you're going to see a lot of new names that you've never heard of in this recruiting cycle uh, coming up because basically it'll be an entire new staff. I know we've talked about, and uh, you know that Lane Kiffin's made a few hires. Uh, for his coaching staff, but there are more vacancies than there are current spots being filled. So an entire new crop of names is going to come. Is there enough out there to close well, I guess is the question. They seem to think so. I mean, all you need is 14, 15 dudes. And then maybe they'll also explore the transfer market. Um, If I had to guess, I don't have this sourced, but I have a feeling they're going to look hard for some uh, transfer defensive linemen. That is a position of immediate need. You lose a lot up front, and then you kind of had a surprise today with with Hayes going to Kentucky. So I I think Kevin was actually asked about that directly today. So, yeah, I I would certainly agree. More coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday signing day. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. We promised an interview with Kermit Davis. We'll give that to you tomorrow. An exclusive one-on-one with uh, Kermit and Richard Cross. We'll play that for you on tomorrow's show. You can text the show and be a part of it this afternoon. 601-879-4395 like Brad in Burnsville. Just asking quite simply what Ole Miss's class ranks. And right now, after the early signing day... 
Uh, I, I'm using Rivals. You can use any service you'd like. They're all slightly different, but kind of give you the, the same information. They're 44 right now is the number that I'm looking at. But a, a key component, which is why these are so fluid, is they're probably not going to end up this way. For example, the teams ahead of them have 20, 20, 28, 25, 23, 22, 26, I mean, full classes, another 25, all ahead of them. Ole Miss will move up just by adding bodies ahead of a lot of these schools. Now, if uh, Lane Kiffin can pull off uh, some big-name recruits somewhere along the way between now and February, uh, they have a real chance to get much higher than they are right now, depending on quality. But just adding bodies, they will move up because a lot of these schools ahead of them just have more players right now signed than they do, and that factors directly in to these recruiting rankings. I think uh, the way Rivals does it, the top 20 players in a class are ranked, so adding four bodies will move Ole Miss up automatically. I don't know how the other sites do it, but it's obviously, I keep using this word, it's a very fluid situation because uh, they're just simply not done yet. And in a transition year, a week into the job, the early signing period was never going to be some kind of home run that uh, apparently some people were expecting. If you listen to us every day, we told you it wasn't going to be, but uh, that certainly uh, became the case today, and it shouldn't give you any kind of concern. This was always going to happen, regardless of who the coach would have been. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's definitely fair, but I don't know. I mean, this, like I said, this is always going to be difficult for Ole Miss, um, particularly coming in with the new coach. It just like I mean, he hit the ground running. He he. I mean, he wasn't the head coach what eleven days ago. There's really not much time. Text here from the six one five asking about Southern Miss. We will have a full recap on tomorrow's show about their class uh, and where they stand. If you're looking at the current rankings. Uh, They are 90th uh, in the country, uh, that is according to rivals. Of course, again, as we've mentioned, that is going to change. Uh, They went pretty juco-heavy so far in this class with their 20 signees. There's a significant number uh, of them, especially the ones that actually signed today. So they have a class commitment list of 20, but not that many signed today. Pretty juco-heavy for the Golden Eagles, and that's something, of course, uh, we'll keep an eye on as it moves on into uh, the regular signing day that we are accustomed to expecting coming up in February. Among their Conference USA peers, they are uh, sixth in the CUSA, right behind Western Kentucky, one step ahead of Marshall. Uh, Old Dominion uh, in a transition year is last in the CUSA. Only eight signees for them, but they're is it their only football coach that they've ever had is the one that resigned because he was going to get fired this year, if I remember correctly. I think they've only had one ever, and uh, he was the one that did it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't even know who Old Dominion's coach is. Dave in the Delta is asking about Ole Miss missing out on three big names. There was one in particular that you can call a miss today. Rippy, what was his name? The, the defensive lineman from Horn Lake. Josiah Hayes, John Sumrall, former Ole Miss linebackers coach, uh, really kind of pulled a fast one on that one. I don't mean that, like, pull a fast one might not be the right phrase. Yeah, but he doesn't he mean of, that nefariously, just kind of came out of left field quickly. 
Yeah, a little bit. There was some momentum late, but I think p- most people around Ole Miss felt good about it. Other than that, I don't. I, nothing really huge comes to mind. Yeah, there was a, an offensive tackle that's been a Texas A Texas A and M commit for a long time that they fought to the end for, but he stayed committed to Texas A and M. I guess there was a running back that flipped a couple of days ago or decommitted from Ole Miss and is ending up at Vanderbilt now and. As we mentioned a little while ago, there was a handful of guys that were told to look elsewhere. And that's going to happen sometimes. I mean, not every coaching staff is going to going to agree on evaluations, and you had that happen here. There were some guys that were committed to, to Matt Luke and Ole Miss football under him that uh, the evaluation and the new staff, they didn't see eye to eye, so they encouraged them to go elsewhere. A lot of moving parts in a transition-type recruiting class in this early signing period really kind of puts them behind the eight ball compared to all of their their peers because you've only got a week. I mean, you've got one week to, to make it happen, and that's just not enough time. Yep. I mean, again, just kind of the same thing we've been saying. It, it was always going to be difficult. They've got a lot of work to do. They inked 11 kids as of right now, uh, maybe expecting a 12th, but... Um, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of work to do on the back end, as they expected. We get asked about the, the tight end there in Oxford, and um, certainly sounded like he, he was always going to go to Auburn. At least that's what people that I've talked to today said, that Ole Miss tried, and he was just that's where he was going to go to school. I mean, he decommitted from Ole Miss, or he was never committed to Ole Miss, excuse me, Um uh, but was just always going to go to Auburn. There was conflicting information. I know, I think it was his dad in the press conference today say that uh, Ole Miss never tried to talk to him and weren't interested in him. Um, I knew that was false when that was when that was said, even though uh, there were a couple of reports that just kind of took that information and ran with it. That was never the case, and Lane Kiffin set that straight in the press conference today. He was always going to go to Auburn. Ole Miss tried to reach out to him. It just was not reciprocated. Uh, so conflicting information, but... If you think that Ole Miss did not try to get a tight end of that caliber literally in their town, um, I I don't know what you're willing to believe. But they, they tried. They just could not get him. Some people just want to go somewhere else. I was one of those guys. I grew up in upstate South Carolina, a, a place that I loved. I just wanted to go do something else, and now I ended up here. Not everybody wants to stay home, and maybe he was that case. Yeah, I think the change in coaching staff probably helped because, I mean, um, that fa- Matt Luke probably, him not being retained, probably sealed it for him in terms of just familiarity and Ole Miss remaining in the picture. But, yeah, again, I agree with most of what you're saying. Like, just kind of one of those things that happens. Robert Nope Grove says they probably should have fired Matt Luke a little earlier. That I guess maybe, but, I mean, there's only so much that could have been done here. And you you cannot, if you were Keith Carter, you could not rush that decision, and you definitely could not rush your coaching search. Uh, The patience is what got you, Lane Kiffin. At least that's what it feels like, right? Because if you rushed that higher and it was guys hanging in the balance and you didn't want to wait a week because you needed to save this recruiting class, they could have ended up with somebody that wasn't him. There's just nothing you can do. I don't know how you make it go faster. The whole process took like seven and a half days. I mean, it was, if you're looking at the hiring process, it was done pretty fluidly and quickly. 
as opposed to Arkansas, which was just a complete mess. Missouri wasn't that much better either. Yeah, I don't know what else they really could have done, just kind of part of it. It's, this is what the early signing period does. Uh, transition classes were much easier back when you had until February. And if you remember, coaching searches went on a lot longer uh, than you've seen, even from Arkansas, which their search was I mean, in shambles a couple of times. Uh, Missouri struck out on some early candidates. There, Those even still moved much faster than they used to under the previous uh, signing day, which just started the first Wednesday in February. Uh, now people have to move quickly or else the class is dead. But you can't make a hire. You can't have timing on your hire. You can't decide to keep a coach just based on what one recruiting class is going to be. You, you just you can't do that. And I mean, there's nothing – I don't think there's anything wrong that happened with timing. There's nothing wrong that happened with – decision-making, this is just the reality of making a change now. This is what happens. Yeah, I like we keep saying, I agree. I, I think this is just kind of what happens. There's really no getting around it. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.